Merlin uh, Tom Paragoodoff, President and CEO of uh, Apollo Silver Corp. I'm sitting here with Kathy Fitzgerald, Kathy's Vice President of Exploration and Resource Development with us. Uh, we are, as I said, both with uh, Apollo Silver Corp. Uh, we've got uh, a portfolio of uh, uh, silver projects. We're a U.S. Uh, uh, focused precious metal company uh, advancing the Calico Silver pro Barite Project in in uh, San Bernardino County, California, and some early stage exploration in Arizona. Tom, Kathy, um, nice to meet you both. Thank you for the introduction, Tom. And uh, it's a pleasure to kind of meet you face to face, Tom. We've, we've spoken on the phone, but this is the first time we've actually uh, met each other. Yeah, good to meet you too, uh, Merlin. <clears throat> um, I'm really looking forward to learning more about um, Apollo Silver in the next half an hour or so, but... <laughs> I, it looks terribly dark over there. I mean, what what time of day is it? Yeah, it's about six in the morning here, Merlin. <laughs> I, I'm 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 so sorry that the the, the timetable has <laughs> has forced you out of bed at that ungodly hour. But um, let's let's okay, make it worthwhile. Okay. I'm building up quite a uh, a a book of of of, uh, of drinks that uh, Matt owes me. So not a problem. I'll collect. Don't worry. Okay. Good. 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 Now. Um, <clears throat> Calico, Waterloo and Langtree, a silver barite project in California. Correct. Um, I, I'm, my, my, my knowledge of uh, silver barium um, deposits uh, in the States is limited, should we say. So this is going to be a, um, an, introductory, uh, <laughs> an introductory lesson for me to, in, in this deposit. But um, perhaps could, could you just give me a kind of a, a quick summary of where the project is at, as uh, where it's got to at the moment, and then, we, then later we can go on to kind of where, we're, where you're going to be taking it. Sure. Uh, we'll look at why don't I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. Um, so in February of this year, we announced the uh, maiden resource for the Calico project. And as you point out, that's uh, the, the Waterloo and, and Langtree deposits. Uh, we announced an inferred resource of 166 million ounces of uh, silver. Important to understand that it's drilled out to an indicated level. Uh, but we've got some additional geotech information that we'll be acquiring, and that'll help us advance material into a measured and indicated. And that's the focus of the drill program that uh, we just kicked off. In fact, the, the drilling just started uh, a couple of days ago. And a lot of that resource is based on historic data, you know, drilled by the, the guys who bought it off, um, Pan American and Athena Silver. Um, you know, is, is that right for them from the two deposits? More or less. Uh, and then, of course, um, uh, Asarco were the guys in the 70s and 80s who made the original discovery at uh, Waterloo and prior to that, uh, Superior Oil at uh, Langtree. And so we've inherited this entire database. Kathy, 42,000 42, meters. meters of drilling. Um, and then, of course, Pan American did the work back in, uh, in, in, in when they purchased Waterloo. Uh, they did the confirmation drilling, the twinning of holes, and resampled 900, 800 and some 800. pulps from a circle, and they brought that database into the modern era, which has given us the ability then to use that in our maiden resource declaration. And you didn't need to do any any confirmation drilling. You were able to um, create a NI43-101 compliant resource from his, the, the historic database. That is absolutely correct. Yes, Stantec uh, was our independent QP. 
they had a look at the uh, data, uh, you know, Kathy and her team, all, all credit is due to these guys. They were able to go through, dig up the assay sheets, tie those assay sheets to the databases and to the satisfaction of Stantec. And, uh, and here we are with 166 million ounces. Excellent. And um, I, do you have the core? I mean, can you, can you, um, you can reload the core. It's been kept in a kind of decent shape. You haven't got the kind of one of those core sheds, which is just kind of a pile of um, broken bits of core. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, drill core from Pan American. We have all their RC duplicate samples, all their assay pulps. Um, Asarco, we have same some assay pulps. We have all our RC chips. So all the data that's on paper, you know, we could verify with the labs, with the certificates, and then we also have the materials. And, and the goal, part of our program will be reassaying some of it, but it's to get more comprehensive assay data because we know from all the work Stantec did that um, even though some of the assay data might be older, like Asarco's, Pan American did a lot of work to verify it, and the data is really high quality. So, so, um, so when you say you're going to get more assay data, is that because you're going to assay more elements to understand the geology better? Correct. Or? That's right. So, for example, Asarco assayed for um, silver, um, gold in some cases, zinc and lead, whereas we want to do the full package. We want to understand all the elements that are in that older data, so. It's been one of the transformations, hasn't it? The, the, the cost of multi-element um, ICP, you know, mm -hmm. kind of 36, 52 element ICP, just the, the, the change in prices has enabled companies to really understand that kind of whole rock geochemistry and uh, in particular, look at the kind of the ratio of the trace elements in, as, as a vector to future exploration. That's right, and, and classify the alteration for the same reason, right? So. Yeah. If we can classify the alteration of the mineralized deposit properly, we can, uh, when we're prospecting, hopefully find more, being able to relate those kind of things together. So, so in a sense, what you'll be able to do is to be able to correlate the geochemistry with the, the drill logs and build up a kind of an alteration map of the deposit as well as a grade map. Yeah, exactly. So Pan American did multi-element uh, chemistry throughout, but you know we wanna just be more comprehensive um, and then that'll help us tie in with our new drill, drill data as well. So, and part of mapping the alteration would help um, target higher grade zones as well. So there's evidence of upflow zones um, and hydrothermal breaches like that rock you showed us, um, which would presumably hold higher grades. So um, yeah, we're just trying to increase the metal inventory as, long, as well as the confidence of the deposit essentially by better characterizing the, the material. And um, do you have a kind of a rough feel for how much of the database has got the full suite of geochemistry and how much, you know, or, or, and how much doesn't? I mean, how much is based on the old uh, uh, drilling? I, you said 42,000 meters. Um, mm -hmm. I think, Tom, in a previous call, you mentioned with Matt, you, there are 430 holes. I mean, do, do you yeah. roughly know how many, you know, what proportion is the old, old data and how much is the kind of the Pan American more recent data? Uh, we do. Uh, I don't have the number on the top of my head. We did cover it in our recent technical report, but I think it's about 20, 20% or 25% is Pan American. So they, oh, did a, okay. they did a really good job of um, re-drilling and infill drilling across the entire deposit. So, and that was to our benefit. So they didn't just target high grade zones, for example, they drilled across the whole deposit representative um, drill holes. So 
basically we have whole rock chemistry and, and a full suite of trace elements across the whole deposit, even though they might have only drilled 20%. So. But you're going to go back in and you're going to fill in the detail on the remaining 75 to 80% just to kind of, so you can actually fine tune things. Uh, yeah, but I mean, a lot of that will be covered with our new drilling too. So yeah. um, the, the focus of the technical program isn't going back and reassaying data to fill in gaps because our drilling will fill in a lot of those gaps. So we'll typically gotcha. choose some Asarco holes um, just to get coverage where maybe we're not getting coverage with our drilling kind of thing. So um, by the end of the program, we'll have comprehensive multi-element data across the whole, the whole deposit. Combination of drilling and reassaying. And um, I can't remember where I have um, came across it, either in, a, in an interview or in a, in a news release, but I saw that Warren Pratt has been out doing some mapping with you guys. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Warren did. Yeah. So, 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 you know, and, and, and you may, if you know Warren, I think Warren's done a lot of work uh, with, with, uh, with Pan American. Uh, and so he did a lot of Pan Americans mapping. And so then we brought him on board to, to complete some of the, mapping at Waterloo, some answers, some questions he felt were outstanding. But importantly, you know, we're the first group that's owned both Waterloo and Langtree. Mm. So he had never really been able to map Langtree and we've been able to continue the geology from Waterloo into Langtree and have a much better understanding now of how those two deposits relate to each other. And um, <clears throat> with him, Kathy, have you kind of, um, or perhaps Tom as well, have you, um, uh, gone through kind of a reevaluation of the geology? Have you kind of rethought about, you know, have you got, I mean, because I also see that you're talking about this kind of this, this, um, the, the, the gold potential. Are you reinterpreting what's happening and the kind of the phasing of the kind of the mineralizing events? Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say reinterpreting, but putting different pieces of the puzzle together. So um, Warren's been excellent because he's provided us with continuity of geologic knowledge. So, mm. He could come back to the project. He he came last fall, and uh, you know, well, I could walk around Waterloo with him, and he can say, "Oh, I I didn't spend much time there in 2012. Let's go over there." So he provided continuity, and then he provided us with um, insight into things he saw previously, and then could um, revisit. So what we could do by taking the data from the different previous operators was just put that story together, frankly, in a 3D model. So that wasn't something we acquired as part of the data set. Um, so as far as we're aware, we uh, built the first 3D geology model of these deposits. Um, and basically just tying the drilling Pan American did uh, with the drilling Asarco did uh, towards the south where there was the, the only mine in the district that produced gold as its primary commodity, we could understand the geology between the two. So um, Pan American drilled this contact between the sediments and the volcanics. And it's evident there's a 25 meter horizon with elevated gold up to five grams per ton. And when you look at that spatially with the Sarkos data and their assays for gold to the south and combine that with Warren's mapping where he says, you know, and you can walk with him, he sees two kilometer long, uh, contact between those two with copper oxides and quartz. Um, we could basically link different generations of data together uh, to fill in the story, not necessarily reinterpret the story. But I think interestingly, and, and Kathy touched on it, 
it's been that work that has enabled the recognition of the how extensive mm -hmm. that potential gold horizon is. Uh, because interestingly, Asarco did very Asarco is drilling effectively. I would I don't, I'm going to make a guess. Kathy will correct me, but at least ninety percent of Asarco's drilling failed to pierce mm -hmm. that upper barstow lower uh, pick handle contact which is the potential gold horizon, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it really is untested. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be really helpful. Do you have a cross section in your corporate slide deck or a map just to, sure. just, just to kind of, just to get my head around the, the geology while you're sure. looking, while you're looking on that, I'll ask Kathy, did, did Warren um, train up any of your younger geos? I mean, you, where are your younger geos from? Are they from kind of Denver, Colorado or the Colorado school of mines or, you know, uh, well, so we have uh, our, our geos are both American and Canadian and range in experience from uh, two years for, for new geotechs to 25 years. Um, and what our lead project geologist, for example, has experience in the area. He worked nearby at Fort Katy, so we've seen the rocks. Um, yeah. Warren's, Warren is still involved in our project. So um, he actually, we just had a technical session with him with the whole geology team. Um, so he can share uh, his knowledge about the rocks and what to look for when we log. And, and so, yeah, I mean, Warren, it wasn't just to have him map and, and run away. We, we have him involved to, to help us. Um, and it, well, one, of the, one of his favorite things is, is teaching mapping techniques. Um, yeah, and, and frankly, he likes this project. He, he's, he said many times it reminds him of, of Navidad, and um, that's not a, a bad comparison. So in terms of geology, but uh, yeah, he, he likes the project and he likes um, sharing his knowledge. So we're lucky he wants to still participate. So. Yeah. Merlin, you, uh, I can show that section here. Yeah, please do. There you go. Can you, uh, can you see that? Yeah, I certainly can. Okay, well, okay. Look at, um, I'll, I'll run through it. And if, and Kathy can't see it, so uh, I'll run through it. I mean... At a high level, what you see down here at the bottom, you see the pick handle formation, which is a volcanic plastic package. Sitting yeah. on top of that is the, the bar stove uh, formation, primarily plastic sandstone. Uh, and it's the bar stove that is the host of the, uh, the, the, silver, uh, the silver barite mineralization. Um, you can see, there's a couple things to point out here. You can see the extensive nature of that mineralization these uh, magenta colored grades are all 100 gram uh, plus um, uh, gram per ton silver uh, and when i talk silver when kathy and i talk silver we don't talk equivalents these are silver grades okay okay um, the other uh, another key uh, thing to point out here is uh, you can see some of the different generations of drilling the holes that did actually pierce this contact and you can see they're limited there's there there's here, those are the Pan-American holes. The Sarko holes all held up in the uh, Barstow formation. They didn't pump, punch, pump, they didn't punch down to the, uh, to this, to this contact. Um, the contact is exposed and, and we have, as Kathy pointed out, walked along and mapped that, uh, that contact. So we know where the surface expression is. And you see alteration all along the two kilometers, as Kathy pointed out, iron oxides, you see copper staining. So there's no doubt that that has been a, a, a conduit for some fluids. And there you can see some of the gold assays that uh, came out of the, uh, the Pan American drilling, uh, you know, and, and, and identification of this 25 meter thick zone 
that sits along that uh, that pick handle uh, barstow contact. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, I've got so many questions on this section on this slide. Okay. Um, so first of all, that that um, the contact between the volcanics, the the pick handle, and the and the sedimentary, the barstow, is that uh, conformable? And is it is, is it um, Oh, is it tectonic? I mean, is it a fault, faulted contact, or is it kind of a um, kind yes. of a, a sedimentary contact? Um, so in, it's it's a challenging one. So some areas, when you're mapping on the ground, it looks conformable, but when you yeah. take it in a regional context, many authors, and including Warren, agree it's not conformable, and it is variably faulted. Um, yeah. Old uh, Asarco maps called it the Waterloo Fault. Um, but you can't consistently map a fault along the length of the surface, but it's, as Tom mentioned, it is apparent, it has been a fluid conduit. Um, the Waterloo mine actually uh, took advantage and uh, extracted silver mineralization from this contact. And it's, it's highly brecciated. Um, I believe it's uh, replacement style mineralization. So there was some pre-existing breccia there that was um, a conduit for mineralized hydrothermal fluids, essentially. Um, the relationship to the faulting of those fluids, we don't quite understand just yet. Okay. So, well, that was going to be the kind of the next question. Is that the main conduit for the mineralization of the, I mean, I think you've described it as kind of a Carlin style um, yeah. de deposit. Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, do, do, you, do you see other conduits or other hydrothermal um, centers or is, is that not yet defined? Uh, yes, we do. So for example, this section here, um, it's a highly silicified area, this section. Um, and with you can see uh, there's two generations of silica. So one would be the bedding replacement style silica. And then the other are small epithermal veins that cross cut the entirety of it. Um, so this okay. particular section is one of the high grade areas. and. We, we don't like to use the word feeder zone per se, but um, there's definitely been fluids traveling here as evidenced by the higher silica and the higher grades. Um, and, sorry, and are they, are they typically orthogonal to that main, you've got that, that um, contact, are, you know, are they kind of cross-cutting um, feeders or kind of fluid fluid pathways? Yes, so, well, there's, there's two types. So one would be these epithermal veins, but they're, they're small scale and they, they're randomly oriented, but we do have higher grade structures that cross cut the bedding. Um, and in some cases, like in Waterloo, some of the historic drilling intercepted up to well, more than a thousand grams per ton. So whether we would classify those as feeder structures or not, uh, they might be later. We're not sure yet. Um, but Kathy, this, maybe, maybe I'll jump down. Can you see that slide? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, here, here, what you can see, and uh, again, just in the in the context of that horizon and the gold horizon, uh, th these holes with black dots that you see here, are sarco holes that did not puncture that horizon. Yeah. Uh, we, the the uh, holes with the yellow circle around them are are holes that were assayed for gold, but did yeah. not puncture that horizon. And yep. then finally, the circles, the, the, the drill holes here with the yellow and the red circle, assayed for gold and punctured that horizon. Okay, uh, you can see the outcrop, uh, the, the surface exposure of that contact along here. 
yeah. and you can see that yellow. It's it it is it is uh, um, uh, altered. We 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 do know that along the extent, but I, you know to get sort of to some of the the centers you asked about centers. Um, you can see here there's expressions here of 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 uh, the, the these alteration areas. You know, indicative potentially of of upwelling centers. And Kath, you want to talk that's about a, some of the? Yeah, that's right. So what I was going to get to is exactly that. There's hydrothermal breaches. Um, so there's one to the Northwest, for example, that Warren's mapped as prospective um, for higher grade materials. So yep. you could call that a feeder zone per yep. se, but whether it fed uh, the main mineralization of the silver in the Barstow sandstones, we can't quite say just yet. Yeah. But there is yeah. evidence of higher grade uh, as you call them upflow or feeder zones, yes. And, and that's, and I see that that's to the northeast, you know, it, it, that's in the volcanics. It's outside of the, the, the sedimentary package, outside of the, the Barstow. Are, are there grades associated with the, with the volcanic package to the northeast? Yeah. So um, focus of previous work here for the disseminated silver has been on the Barstow. Um, but in that cross-section we showed you, for example, there were uh, gold grades in that brecciated contact. Um, part of our upcoming program will be to better test that contact. So some of the mapping uh, by Asarco down by the Bircham line, I think you can still see the slide, right? Um, yep. they, ma they mapped um, mineralized material and, and surface sampled um, mineralized uh, volcanics up to 30 feet away from the contact. And a lot of the historic mapping on the region, uh, particularly around um, highly mineralized silver veins, there were disseminated silver uh, in the, the volcanics around it. There are, there are porous tufts. Um, yeah. So the answer is yes. And, and Merlin, a lot of the production that came out of the historic mines in this Calico Silver District were actually the higher grade veins within the pick handle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, could you just go back to the cross-section really briefly um, before we drop the slides? Um, is, is there a um, kind of a meteoric uh, supergene enrichment? Is it because I, uh, it, it seems as if the silver grade drops off at depth, or is that just a, a function of the section that we've picked? Uh, no. Uh, well, I can't see it. Um, whether the grade drops off with depth uh, as related to super gene activities, uh, we don't know the answer to that yet. That horizon with the gold, for example, is uh, mm. coarser grained. Um, and we know that the mineralization is stratigraphically controlled here. Um, so whether uh, the change in silver grade has to do with super gene effects or just the stratigraphic nature of the control of the silica, yeah. We will resolve, hopefully, with our upcoming drilling campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah, the controls on that mineralization, Merlin, and specifically the grade controls. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, 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 I you know, like you, um, you know, years ago, came from a petroleum background. Mm -hmm. And, of course, so I start thinking about porosity, permeability, and yeah. the, the impact potentially on that. But we don't have the kind of control. Uh, to really truly understand that yet, but the the point you made is absolutely a, a valid hypothesis, especially when you consider that 
all of the mineralization that mm -hmm. that that parcel section we're all in, it's all oxidized yeah so we don't have a a, a a sulfide mineralization component here it's it's uh it is all uh sitting above uh the the that uh, uh sulfide oxide mm -hmm. uh, transition zone and is that one of the things you're going to be working on is, is is pinning down that kind of that transition down better through the the, the next phase of drilling yeah look it is something that we will be looking at um uh, you know, we will, uh, all of our holes, we'll make sure that we puncture, uh, punch through that uh, uh, and test that, uh, that contact uh, between the barstow and the pick handle. And we'll drill a number of meters, maybe up to 10 meters into the, uh, into the pick handle. Uh, right now, the, the, that, that transition zone, the level of that, the, the depth of that transition is very poorly constrained. And um, so just, I, I keep saying we're about to drop the slide, but I keep finding more things to ask about. Um, See, that, that means that, it's a good slide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, um, that picture there, uh, that looks like kind of coliform, crustiform, kind of chalcedonic stuff. Um, is, is that kind of quite typical? Yes, that's right. So uh, it's a pretty typical... Uh, low sulfidation epithermal style mineralization. So when you see vein, vein type material, um, that's what you would see. Um, when you see the bedding style mineralization, um, they're, they're more dark churdy rocks. Um, so they look a little different than that, but that would be uh, some of the vein style with uh, barite and quartz. And do you get any sulfides lower down on that, in that, um, the, the gold horizon? Or is that still oxidized? I don't. Uh, I don't know enough about it to answer that. Um, but we do okay. have sulfides in. There are limited uh, remnants of pyrite in the mineralized silver package. So. Okay. Great. I think we better drop the slide down, otherwise the good people at Crocs <laughs> are going to have my head. Carlin style gold deposits are famous for kind of invisible gold. Um, is 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 that what you? feel is here you know it's, it's very fine grained silver kind of disseminated through um and um Carland was also uh typically associated with arsenopyrite and um arsenic rich pyrite do you do you see any of that or, you know how, how have you done any petrography let's put it another way we haven't done any petrography and i'm not aware of pan-american um having done much in the way of petrography uh, either. And, you know, as, as, uh, as we get more core as part of this program, then that'll be something that uh, we will look at. You know, if we look at the, uh, the, the arsenic, uh, the, the, the arsenic content is, is not, I mean, obviously given that it is a, uh, 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 of the, the style of mineralization with epithermal mineralization, there is a low amount of arsenic, but not what, nothing that's, you know, I think okay. lower than, yeah, exactly. Nothing yeah. that really causes much consternation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I see that you're going to be doing uh, metallurgical test work during the course of this year. As, 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 is that going to be from the, from the holes that you're going to be pulling out or are you going to use some of the older material? So we're lucky. We inherited about 1,200 kilos, uh, 1.2 tons acquired a mix of RC and, and core and they had shipped to McClellan labs 
in uh, Nevada, but they had as part of their metallurgical uh, test program, but they never executed that program. So uh, we contacted the lab, the material was still there, it was in good shape. And so, in fact, we've already commenced our met, uh, metallurgical test program. It's underway as we speak. And it was already oxidized, so it doesn't, you know, it's not going to get any more oxidized. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> when, how, long, how, long did it, how long has it been sitting there for? Uh, eight years. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, <clears throat> good. Um, so can you stop for, just, just kind of go back and kind of for sim- in simple terms, can you talk about you're drilling 15,000 meters and is that mostly into Waterloo? And is that infill and how much is infill and how much is expansion and how much is kind of de- depth extension? Sure, sure. Look, um, look. I'll, I'll talk at, at a bit of a high level. But so the fifteen thousand meters right now, we've got split uh, roughly ten to twelve thousand meters of RC, and then the remainder core. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the the, the core, uh, you know, and the reason for that core. But primarily, it's for geotech, and there's other ways we can get that. And maybe I'll ask Kathy to speak to that uh, in a, in a minute. But the, the drill program has got um, three primary uh, focuses this year. Uh, you know, uh, first and foremost is to advance the confidence in the resource. So moving material into that to, into uh, indicated and measured. Uh, and that's a combination of, of that geotech information that I, I mentioned. As I said, to start, it's drilled at an indicated level. Okay, but we've got to get some additional geotech to help us move that material into uh, into indicated. Uh, and then, of course, some infill drilling and additional information to get it to move material into measure. A second component is uh, expanding that resource so that we, we know, for example, down to the southeast. Uh, and if you want, at the appropriate time, we'll bring up a slide if you're interested. But uh, you know, down to the uh, uh, southeast of the Waterloo deposit, there are uh, a number of holes, roughly somewhere around a, a, a dozen holes that we know are mineralized with silver, but weren't included in our resource calculation because the distance between our resource calc boundary and those holes was a bit too great. We weren't comfortable in co- using those in our resource. So yep. we've got opportunities to add some sh- shallow silver mineralization, and we'll go ahead and we'll do that. By, by, filling in, by bridging the gap. Exactly. Yeah. By bridging the gap and doing a bit of infill between those zone holes. So that's expanding some of the shallow mineralization. And there's other opportunities to expand that shallow mineralization as well. Uh, 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 down dip. Uh, and then and then uh, uh, another component is the expansion of the high grade mineralization. You know, we the, the global grade at, at Waterloo is 93 grams per tonne, but we know that there's high grade intersections of, you know, multiple meters, uh, tens of meters grading o- over 100, 150, 200 gram. We capped the, uh, we capped the, uh, the silver grades in the resource calc at Waterloo at 400 grams uh, per tonne silver. So uh, there is high grade distributed through that. So we're going to be focusing a little, some work to expand the distribution of that high grade uh, and, and better to, understand that. And to do that, do you, is that essentially putting in closer space drill holes known between high grade holes and low grade holes? So you can, if you get a confirmation that there's a high grade portion halfway, you can actually call it all high grade. Exactly. Up to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. 
Yeah. And then, so, so, and so, then yeah, go ahead. Oh, so, so that's more like a, that's kind of a, it's, it's within the resource boundaries. So, so it's, Correct. it's, it's quasi infill, but to improve the, the high grade portions. Correct. Correct. And maybe I will uh, bring a, I'll, I'm going to bring the image up. Uh, so you can see that what we're, what, what we're talking about here, you can see that. I can. And there you can see, there is the, the Waterloo resource and you can see almost two kilometers of strike. Uh, I talked about those drill holes to the Southeast. You can see yes. roughly a dozen holes down there that we have not included, but we'll, we'll do the work to get those into the uh, next resource. And you can see the uh, distribution of that high grade mineralization. So we'll look again as to try and expand that uh, uh, as well. And then finally, uh, you know, this mineral inventory, Kathy spoke about, there's, there's, you know, on two fronts, the gold, which I think we've, we've spoken about Merlin, uh, but the other uh, uh, co potential co-product here is, is barite. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, barite, um, you know, let's be honest, it's not a sexy mineral <laughs> as it were, I, it, you know, an industrial mineral, its primary use is a weighting agent in the petroleum industry, but from our perspective, the real opportunity here is, is the fact that uh, the U.S. imports about 90% of their barite consumption, and the vast majority of that importation comes from China. Barite sits on the U.S. strategic mineral list as well. So there's some real uh, potential opportunities there beyond just the potential economic uplift. Um, and Kath, do you want to talk about the barite and your view on what we know about it and what we don't know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, specific to the project. So uh, Sarco, for example, in their historic resource estimates did include barite. Um, we did not in ours because um, when we went through uh, all the geochemical data for the whole project, it became apparent that uh, barium wasn't analyzed using ideal methods. So if you, or barium, sorry. Uh, if you analyze barium with uh, ICP methods, which are more appropriate to trace elements, um, you end up under-reporting it. So it caps out at 10,000 parts per million, whereas the limited major element data we have shows uh, up to 30% uh, barium in these rocks. So 30% uh, or 30,000 30, PPM? Yes, 30%. So 300,000 PPM? Oh, yeah. Oh. A major element yeah, so, yeah 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 that's a major element okay wow okay um and so part of uh, our work program will just be uh analyzing barium using uh ideal methods so xrf essentially um so basically usually a lot of rocks would be 50 percent silica uh especially sandstone for example so these rocks could be 20 30 percent silica and 30 percent barium or barium there's a lot of barium in these rocks so um, we want to better classify the barium content to see um, if we can um, really get a good handle on the content and then, of course, include that in the resource. And, and part of the metallurgical work in the future will be determining how we recover it. I'm, I'm not going to try and under, um, guess kind of metallurgical recoveries, but if you look at the kind of in situ value of 30% of barium and 90 gram silver, what's the value comparison <laughs> <laughs> look uh you know merlin that, that uh, that's an uh, the obvious an, an obvious question to ask 
and difficult right now because of the way barium and, and, and barite trades. Um, you know, effectively what the oil, uh, what the oil industry will do is they will source barium as close to their project as they possibly can. So if you think about that Eagle Ford shale in Texas, for example, they're importing barium and it's coming in by ship. Now, can I displace some of that given that we're nine miles from Barstow? What is Barstow? Barstow really is a, uh, 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 the intersection of a number of transnational railways in the U.S. So we do have a railhead very close. So, you know, look, I think Barrite was trading at roughly uh, 225 U.S. Uh, per ton. Uh, now, you know, what it might be trading at, uh, what it's trading at now, I don't know. Uh, and then again, if I'm paying shipping, can we get it to them? Uh, can we get it to, to where it needs to be used in a cost-efficient manner? I we don't know yet, to be honest with you. But do you see the um, uh, Adriatic Minerals? They've in the in the Varish project in Bosnia. They've got a silver, gold, um, zinc uh, project, and they got a lot of barium, and they ended up not included in the product, product stream just because the cost of separating it and the, uh, the, the value add was, was too marginal for them. But, Absolutely. But they're not in the US. They're not, a, they're not by railhead. So um, you guys are going to need to do the work. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. And, and the first step is to basically better quantify the, uh, the, the amount of barium uh, and, and barite that is there. And... Um, just kind of thinking about kind of you know downstream you're going you're advancing the project to a PEA um typically that comes after a oh sorry sorry no I was I'm, I'm losing my mind um I was thinking it was never mind but um do you have a concept in your head of kind of how you see this do you see it as a kind of a big open pit with potentially a kind of a gold kicker yes Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, the type deposit to think about in this space, Merlin, would be Rochester, which is the core op- uh, silver operation. Uh, there, they uh, similar disseminated uh, uh, silver. Uh, they're mining material between 16 and, and 20 grams per ton uh, on average. Uh, so, you know, that's the sort of, uh, you know, when I think about type deposits, that's that's w- w- one that springs to mind, or, or I mean, type operations. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it, is it also kind of a Carlin style? Um, it, it, I mean, has it got that kind of that, that silicious uh, yes. overlay? Yes. Yeah. Um, good. I, well, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, the, the thing I'm most curious about is the metallurgical recoveries, because um, yeah. uh, I, I, I just remember doing my thesis on um, different gold processing types, and the, the Carlin style needed a bit of, uh, roasting and a bit of pressure oxidation. It was it was quite a tricky, tricky ore to deal with. But hopefully, I mean, t- what do, what does Rochester use? Uh, Rochester is a heap leach operation. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes, it is. Uh, but what they have incorporated into their flow sheet is uh, HPGR, so high uh, high pressure roller grinding, uh, yeah. and their their tests. And and now their 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 use of that is has increased their uh, recoveries by about twenty percent. So uh, we are going to be testing that as well on uh, on the uh, on the uh, ore that we have from Waterloo. Uh, and the beauty is that you've got oxides, mm-hmm. and that's the the beauty. That's exactly right. So we're not going to be dealing with a lot of refractory. Uh, 
refractory issues. And, and so, you know, I think the fact that everything sits, uh, everything has been oxidized, uh, I think it definitely is going to help. Nature has done a lot of the uh, mineral processing for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and presumably that means it's not uh, too hard, the rock. I mean, what's core, what are core recoveries like? Is it, is it actually difficult recovering core? Is it very friable downhole? Uh, you look very blocky. Mm -hmm. It is so very you'll, blocky. So you'll get a block and then kind of lose a bit. Correct. So Yeah, yeah look, core drilling, and, and I touched on it, Merlin. Um, for us, the primary driver behind the core is going to be the geotech information. Um, we are going to be bringing in the optical televiewer system, borehole logging system uh, for the RC drilling component of the program. And if Kathy and Stantec are comfortable that we can get the geotech information from the uh, televiewer system, then we may divert that capital that we had focused on uh, set aside for diamond drilling and, and put it back into the RC drilling bucket and, and, uh, and put all the, the, the meters into the, uh, into the RC. So that story is yet to be kind of completed, if you will. And the, the, the section you showed me, um, where the, the topography, it made me think that the strip ratio was going to be de minimis. Mm -hmm. uh, de minimis is a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, so ASARCO completed a feasibility study uh, they did their environmental impact review and they were actually fully permitted to mine at Waterloo and their strip ratio was 0.2 to one. Okay. Go on. Now the strip ratio that we've calculated is uh, two to one. And that's because our cutoff grade was 50 grams per ton, whereas Sarco used a cutoff grade of 25 grams per ton. So and I think that your, your cutoff grade will be determined through your metallurgical test work and, and the geotech. Well, there's a whole range of factors yet to be Correct. established. Exactly. And, and that's why we were happy with the 50 gram cutoff. It's a bit more conservative than 25 grams. But as you point out, that 25, that, that cutoff will be determined by the price of silver uh, and, the, and the metallurgical process and the recoveries and the geotech. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, well, thank you so much. I have uh, learned a vast amount in half an hour. I hope it translates into a, a learning for the viewers as well. <laughs> um, and I look forward to he hearing how the pro progress goes and particularly seeing kind of what those MET tests work show, um, you know, the petrography, understanding more about the mineralogy. For me, that's the, the, the key. And if you get a sweetener from the gold, then, then, then everyone's, um, everyone's smiling. Yeah. It look, absolutely. And, and, you know, we, in the, when we put out the, uh, when we put our, our maiden resource, Kathy and I hosted a, uh, a webinar to run through the resource and we've got a, an update uh, webinar coming, which will be, you know, more technically focused, especially as the drill results uh, start coming in, because as, uh, as we said, uh, drilling started earlier this week. So uh, it's uh, full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. When do you aim to, aim to finish your 15,000 meters? Uh, look, June, mid June, uh, sorry, uh, uh, end of June or, or early July is the focus. We want to make sure that we've got enough time to get all our assays back to incorporate all the information into the uh, revised, uh, updated resource calculation that we'll do in the uh, uh, latter part of this year. Brilliant. Good. Well, um, thank you both so much for your time. Again, um, congratulations for getting up so early. I can see dawn peeping out underneath the blinds <laughs> behind. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha,
<laughs> the sun is rising. Um, the sun is rising. Good. Let, let, let the sun shine on Apollo Silver. Okay. Thanks very much, Marilyn. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.